Episode 91, Transgenderism. This concept of gender and being able to alter or transition to another gender is obviously something that pervades public discourse and entertainment and pretty much all aspects of our culture now. So it's important to understand what is it and why is it wrong. There's a lot that can be said about this, but I want to highlight three main contradictions that are involved in the idea of transgenderism. The first one is, the body is not important, but also that it is very important. The second is that the soul doesn't exist, but also my real self is my immaterial spiritual self, which pretty much sounds like a soul. The third is that gender stereotypes or secondary sex characteristics are bad and harmful, but also they are an indication of our real identity. And if I start expressing certain things that are considered stereotypically masculine, if I'm a female, or things that are typically considered feminine if I'm a male, that is an indication that I really am the opposite gender. Before spelling these out a little bit more, it's important to recognize that there are deeper and more profound philosophical problems with transgenderism. So I'm just pointing out these three contradictions to make a, a brief case for it. But also, it's important to note that in terms of scripture and theology, there is no argument here. Right? There is no such thing as a Christian case for transgenderism. It is categorically denied by divine revelation. God made us male and female, and that the body and soul, which together form our real self, are connected. They're an inseparable union, which makes up the human person. They're not separate units that can be detached and reattached like puzzle pieces, as if like a female gender soul can be attached to a male body. That's not something that is allowed for in divine revelation. Our real self is our body and our soul together, and that there's meaning to both. A human soul is connected to a human body, and the interior component, the spiritual component, the soul, reflects the difference between men and women. The soul of a man and the soul of a woman are different in that they are the form or that which gives life to the male or the female body. There are real differences there. They're not just cultural, they're not just societal differences that are formed or developed later. That's how important the union of body and soul is, that they are made for each other in that sense, that this form enlivens this matter, that is, this soul enlivens this, say, male body, and in that sense it is really a man's soul. That's why we say when we die and before the resurrection of the body on the last day, the human person is incomplete. Soul and body, so to speak, yearn to be together again. That is the perfection of human nature. That is what human being is. And this connection is so strong that to say there is a contradiction between body and soul is not something that could ever be supported by divine revelation or really from natural philosophy. That's why it's such a very new concept because we've abandoned, of course, the guidance of the Christian faith and Christian revelation and scripture and tradition, and we've rejected the philosophical inheritance of Western civilization that we had that easily guides us through problems like this, can account for, say, someone who has a more feminine attitude, even though he's a man, can account for a wide spectrum of personalities, but wouldn't jump headfirst into a claim that our body needs to be sculpted and cut up in order to reflect a strange interior belief. We would say that no, the interior life needs to be formed and guided from the time that one is young to understand the reality around it 
and to adapt the mind to reality. That's what truth is. It's the conforming of our mind to what is real and what is objective around us. That's what truth is when our mind is able to accurately perceive reality. And instead, instead of realizing that we need to form our mind and our understanding to say like, what are the limits placed on me by reality? And in this case, placed on me by the objectivity of biology, of nature, of the body that I have, and the duties that go along with that. That's what needs to be formed and sculpted, so to speak. But the transgender ideology has inverted that so that instead of the mind being formed to fit objective reality, it is the body or objective reality that needs to be changed to fit the mind. You can see the perversion of the right way here. But let's get back to those three contradictions that we started with. And the first one, if you recall, is that at the same time holding that the body is not important, right? That my real self is my interior self, but also that the body is very important, even to the extent that I need to change my body to reflect my interior self. Otherwise, I'm not being true to myself. So at one and the same time thinking that the body is just a thing to be used and doesn't really reflect my true self because I'm really a woman in a man's body or I'm really a man but have a woman's body. But the body is very important because I need to change it so that I really am my true self. So here hopefully you can see that little confusion and contradiction that's uh, held in the mind of people that hold this ideology. Is the body important or is it not? Well, in some sense it's important because I need to change it so that I'm really who I feel I am. But also it's not important because I don't see it as a guide to who I am. I don't look at my masculine body and realize that I am a man. Instead, I need to change it. The second contradiction was that the soul doesn't exist, but also my real identity is my interior one, which is something that's different than my biology. It's different than my material self. Like I was saying on Christianity being totally incompatible with transgenderism, you, d you can't really have someone that is a real Christian believer or understands Christian revelation and also holds transgenderism. So the bulk of them, I would say, would be people that are atheists or agnostics, which in general would mean they're materialists. That is, they think matter is all there is. But on the other hand, their claim is that their real self is something that transcends their material self. So at one and the same time, they're saying, matter is all there is and that's the most fundamental reality it's the and it's the ultimate reality but also that that material reality that i'm perceiving my body doesn't really show who i am that there's something that transcends my biology that is my real self so you have materialists that say that matter is not important in this instance but there's some truth that's immaterial that transcends matter well, they might respond by saying, well, no, it's something that has to do with the brain. Gender resides in the way the brain works. Well, then you're just talking about biology again. So you're saying that you trust biology when it's certain things happening in the brain, but biology is totally incompatible with your real self when it is your body. So why does your identity reliably reside in your brain, but does not? it is not reliably indicated by the rest of your body, the anatomical features that you have. Does it even make sense to say that you have a female brain, a female organ inside a, an otherwise male body? That just seems to be a really incoherent case to make. And the third contradiction we had was that the gender stereotypes that we see in culture, that women do certain things, that it's feminine to do this or that, and it's masculine to do this or that, that that's really just 
societal pressure and it's dangerous to impose that on someone. But at one and the same time, these same people hold that if a, a young girl or a young boy start doing things that typically are associated with the opposite sex, then that means immediately we know that they are in the wrong body. So saying that gender stereotypes are harmful and bad and should be disregarded, but also saying that they are the strongest indication that someone is a boy in a girl's body or a girl in a boy's body, and that it's enough of an indication that they need to immediately be transitioned. So it's almost as if gender stereotypes are the most important indication of a trans identity, even though they would also say that it's harmful to have a little boy actually do things that are associated with little boys, you know, play with trucks or play baseball or whatever. But if a little girl does those things, then it's an indication that, oh, she's truly a boy trapped in a girl's body. So that's just a brief outline of some of the issues that not just Christians, but any thinking person runs into when really investigating this new ideology that's taking over everything. It has so many incoherent claims and so many contradictions that we really need to push back against it. It is harmful to place such a division between the body and the soul. We know as Christians that God created us male and female, and that is so fundamental to human nature that to create a division there has predictably catastrophic effects on everything else regarding human nature, you know, on the family, on education, etc. If we know someone that struggles with this, we need to strive to show that the obligation of a rational being, a human person, is to conform their mind to reality to understand the duties and obligations imposed upon us by reality, that those things don't oppress us, they actually give form to our real identity, that the institution of the family, of the church, of the political community, that's where we hash out our masculine or feminine role. Our bodies already give us an indication of who we are and how we relate to others. And of course, we are made in the image of God so that the complementarity of the male and female bodies, of course, produce life, an image of God himself. And so it's perhaps that image of God that the devil is trying to attack most of promoting this transgender ideology everywhere all the time. You know, it used to be you had maybe a more feminine little boy or a tomboy girl growing up. And eventually through living in the family, living in society, being taught and raised, they learned how to properly relate to the opposite sex, to their friends, to their surroundings. And this is not something that prevented their true self from coming out, but it actually helped their true self come out. Nowadays, however, instead of a parent or like a teacher step in and say, hey, you know, this is not how uh, little boys act, or this is not how little girls act. Now you have adults, teachers stepping in and saying, oh, you did that. That's not what little boys usually do. That means you're a girl. And from that very formative age, they are warped. And it's hard to undo that. And that all stems from the idea that it is our interior thoughts, our thought at this moment, what I feel and desire at this moment, that should determine the reality around me. That's very much the attitude of the devil. I will not serve God. I will push against reality and truth and try to make it something that bows and bends to me. And of course, we know that's a futile and vain effort, but we fool ourselves into thinking that if I could only change the things around me to suit my desires and my identity and my thoughts right now, then I will have peace. But actually the opposite is true. We have to 
conform to reality and to truth, and sometimes that's painful, well, oftentimes that's painful. We have to be pulled out of our ignorance. We need to stomp out our vices. But in the end, that's really the only way that we flourish, because then we are in union with truth rather than pushing against it.